0: I just want to encourage you, uh, as we get into the word uh, and the subject matter, the battle is yours, um, you know, um, it doesn't matter whether you had, you know, a good day or a bad day, the word of the Lord will carry us no matter what kind of day we had, you know. And one thing amazing about God's word is that, and and we're going to read in Scripture what it says, the battle is the Lord's. He wrote that. Because he knew ahead of he knew ahead of time what we would face, what we what we would have to endure, uh, what would affect us, and so um, let's just go ahead and read uh, Chronicles. And I'm hoping that as you just hear this word, that you're encouraged by His love and that you're strengthened by the truth of His word. You know, because most of the time when you're in a battle, when you're in a battle, you're going to be weary, you're going to be exhausted, you're going to be frustrated. You know, and so we're going to talk about tonight, uh, what types of battles, uh, that, that we can face, um, uh, why is the battle his and, and how we can overcome the battle. Okay. And so second Corinthians, excuse me, Chronicles 2, 15 through 17. This is, uh, King Jehoshaphat. And I'm just going to read this portion of scripture and then we'll set up, uh, the, the rest of the scripture a little bit later. Uh, but the Lord says, do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by his mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. O oh, people of Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out there tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. We see some truth just in these verses right here. One, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. And the new and then the second thing is what did he tell us to do? He just told us to take our positions. So we're going to kind of break that that down a little bit. So what kind of battles do we face? What kind of battles do we face? Ephesians 6:12 it says for we are not fighting against battle against battles people made of flesh and blood, but against against the evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule the world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly realm. You know, there's two kinds, whether it's, whether it's our conflict in our mind, whether it's emotional conflict, it'll always kind of point back to two things operating in our life. The battles that we face are either going to come from our soul or our spirit. The battles that we face are going to come from our soul, our spirit. You say, well, Dixie, what are you talking about? Let me explain. Our soul is consisted of three parts. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. And sometimes we'll be in a battle and we won't know that we're in a battle, but we'll constantly see the remains of the battle. You know... I mean I've never been in war my dad is a retired veteran he's military 22 years and he's seen battle he's been in battle twice and I can tell you what it might consist of you know there there's there's war there there's adversity there's conflict there's can't, tanks or whatever but when but he could describe the remnants of it because he's been there he's been there and so let me explain to you I uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say some statements here and hope that you can identify because, again, many times, as I said, we'll have the remnants, we'll see the fruit. But we won't identify it as being a battle. But we'll see it as, well, that's just how my family is. Or that's how I was raised. Or this is how I am and I deal with it. So let's just kind of look at some of these. Here's someone that's base, that is... If this is our thought process, if this is our dialogue, then here are some indications that you might be in an emotional battle or a battle in your mind of how you're, of how you're seeing yourself. One is, I'm such a failure. I can never do anything right. I'm so stupid. I'm never going to understand that. I'm all alone. No one cares for me. So, you know, one thing about a battle, is that even as believers, if we're in a battle, the enemy would bring us condemnation for us to even identify that we're in a battle because then we're thinking, well, then we're not doing what God wants us to do if we're feeling this about ourselves. You understand that? You know, another uh, <clears throat> train of thought or, or feeling that you might be feeling is I'm not good enough or important enough to accomplish that job. Oh, that, that's that's for somebody else. They have the education. They're way more capable than that, to do that than me. Or another train of thought is, uh, I shouldn't even try. I'm just going to mess it all up anyway. Another train of thought, if I'm going to survive in this world, I've got to do it on my own because it's all me. I'm all by myself. So that's a battle. The moment that you and I begin to feel like that we are alone, the moment that you and I begin to feel like that we've got to figure it out ourselves, the moment that you and I begin to, to contemplate that we are inferior, that we are inadequate, and before we even begin a task or a responsibility, why even do it? Because I'm going to fail. We are in an emotional and a mental battle. Okay? Another part is if I give my very best efforts, then I will be important enough to be chosen for something great. Now, let me explain something. Does God want us to give our very, very best? Absolutely. But even giving our very, very best never qualifies for Him to love us more. He loves us as we are. And many times we could be in a battle of rejection. We can be in a battle of, uh, if, if we uh, dealt with, um, um, Uh, So, uh, uh, as a child, someone not being dependable, someone not being there for us. So as an adulthood, we, we work an excess amount of hours. You know, and some people say, you know what? You're just working hard. You have, you have great, um, uh, you have a great work ethic. But the thing is, is that if you're placing your identity in that work, your work is never going to be good enough to feel that battle that's raging inside of you of inadequacy, of rejection. And man, that's a heavy way to live. That's a heavy way to live. And if we live with that kind of a feeling of inadequacy, of rejection, it will affect your body. It's going to affect your blood pressure. It's going to affect your sugar. It's going to affect your weight gain. It's going to affect you physically. Okay? Another way of thinking or, or feeling. If I give my very best efforts, then I will be worthy for somebody to love me. It's not what we do, but it's who it's whose we are. We are his and so if these are if these are battles that are that are raging in your in your soul, if they're raging in your mind, I just want to encourage you, I just want to encourage you that he has defeated any darkness of rejection on the cross, any darkness of inferiority, any darkness of I've got to figure it all my, out by myself. That's the great and the mighty God that we serve. John 3, 1, 4, it says, I have no greater joy than this to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Why? Because in order for us to have healthy relationships, in order for us to have... have um um, a healthy life on how we see ourselves, how we see our purpose in life. We must know the one who calls us. We must know what he says about us. And who does God say you are? You know, we had mentioned that that's at the women's, uh, conference, but there's something about the word. It's not just for one gender or one nation or one creed. It's for every living soul. And who does God say you are? God says that you are chosen. God said that you are forgiven. Many times of how we see that soul battle that we're dealing with is because we're not receiving the forgiveness that God has already done over our past sins or wrongs that we've done or that others have done to us. And so we try to work to strive to be better. And God has said, I have forgiven you. I have chosen you. I love you. I value you. I call you my own. And when we begin... To feed our soul and our mind those truths, the darkness that is ra- that darkness battle that is raging in our souls will be exposed. And where there is darkness, um, light can penetrate that, and darkness cannot stay. Okay? So what kind of battles do we face? One is a soul, the next is of the spirit. The next is of the spirit. Ephesians 2, 4, verses 5, it says, But God is so rich in mercy that He loved us so very much that even while we were dead because of our sin, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. Romans six twenty three. it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So what is that battle of the Spirit? Sin equals death. That's that battle. The enemy, his whole target, his whole purpose is to entrap you with lies. It is to entrap you with lies. So you do not experience and receive the love and the life that God has for you. And as long as you are entrapped, with not knowing who God is entrapped, with not knowing how much God loves and values your life. There will always you will always be in a battle. And I'm not talking about a battle like this, but a wrestling and a turmoil, because nothing will be good for you. Nothing, nothing will, will, will satisfy you. So when, when a person is is in that trap, they're gonna go to whatever avenue, whatever uh whatever man, whatever woman, whatever substance to fill that void with inside of them. So battle of the spirit, sin versus sin equals death and surrender equals life. The enemy is as a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour is because he does not want us to experience the precious price that Jesus paid for us so that we could have a life. The precious price. Ezekiel 36, 26 through 27. It says, I will give you a new heart with a new and right desires and I will put a new spirit within you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart. I will put my spirit within you. My spirit. That's life. To where it removes the sting of loneliness. It removes the sting of, of, of inferiority. Is that he is ours. He loves us. He chose us. He values us as we are. Okay? So what kind of battles do we face? Again, one of the soul and of the spirit. Next question is, why is the battle his? This is, this is I like this. We could have just camped out here. But why is the battle his? Very simple. Because he is God. He is God. The word says, and I say, and I'm going to just read whenever you say he is God. Let's just see a couple of things. That he, he is the creator. He is the provider. He is the rescuer. He is the healer. He is the protector. He is the counselor. He is the comforter. He is God. All that we could ever think, ask, hope for, or dream of. He has made a way, given us access for us to experience that. Even when we messed up, Adam and Eve, they blew it. But God says, no problem. My love, my love, I have a plan. Nothing was going to separate us from his love. Nothing was going to separate us from us having a relationship and fellowship with him. So why is the battle his? Is because he is God. He is the only one that can make things right in our life. He is the only one that can remove the sin of sin. He is the only one that can restore broken relationships. He is the only one that can remove generations of depression in a moment. He is the only one that can do it. Why? Because he is God. He is our healer, our provider, our comforter. Isaiah 40, 27 through 39, excuse me, 29. It says, oh, Israel, can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God refuses to hear your case? Have you ever heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out, and he offers strength to the weak. You know, naturally you can have a best friend or someone in your life that you go to counsel with or, or you just go to share your, uh, your joys as well as your disappointments. But you ever have someone, and again, this is, they this is because we're human, but, uh, a loved one and just say, I just need a moment. Can you just give me a moment? I've had a long day. You know, it's like, I just, I just can't be the comforter right now. You know, I just can't be that ear right now. I'm just tired. Just give me a moment. And that's just because we're human. It's nothing to, to default them on. But you know something that's so beautiful, so mighty God, he never says, give me a moment. He always says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. Because he's God. He doesn't faint. He doesn't grow weary. But he gives us strength. He gives us hope. Okay? Colossians 1, 13 through 14. I love this. It says, for he has rescued us from the one who rules the kingdom of darkness. That's why the battle is his. He rescued us from the grip of depression brought on by darkness, from the grip of inferiority, from the grip of the darkness of rejection, from the grip of a uh, darkness of, of addictions in our life, he has rescued us because he is God. From the only one who rules the kingdom of darkness, he has brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. God has purchased our freedom with his blood and has forgiven us of our sins. He is God. You know, everything that God does, he does it with an eternal impact, with an eternal impact, with an everlasting impact, because he's an eternal and an everlasting God. That's so encouraging because if I'm tired, if I'm frustrated, you know, it's like, hey, man, go to God, because he's not going to get tired. He's not going to get frustrated. And sometimes we can try to come up with reasoning to give a word of encouragement or whatever. Go to God. And the reason being, because his word will always be fresh. His word will always be timely because it's who he is. It's who he is. He is God. Why is the battle his? Because he is God too. I love this part. Why is the battle his? Is because he is able. He is able. Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the mighty power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. He is able. Things are absolutely out of our control. Absolutely out of our grip. He is able. He is a supernatural God. He is not constrained by time. He is not held captive by not having enough wisdom to resolve the situation. He's all knowing, you know. He is not con- constrained or held by circumstances or situations. He's got it. One thing cool is is he does not have to seek counsel in what to do. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is God. Okay? Luke 18, 27. It says, but he said, Things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Why? Because he is able. He is able. Jeremiah 33, 3. Um, Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Many times when we use this scripture, we'll use it in reference to prayer. But look look at the last, last part of the verse. I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. Great and mighty things which I do not know. When I try to bring resolve to a conflict, when I try to, to figure a plan out, he's like, if you will just come to me. I not only can resolve it, but I'll show you things that you could not even imagine and will resolve it. You know, great and mighty things that I do not know. So one, why is the battle his? Is one, because he is God. Two, why is the battle his? Is because he is able. He is able. If you were to scam through the Bible, uh, just through uh, his faithfulness and the Bible and all the things that he did, you know, he is able, um, um, of parting the Red Sea. He is able, and closing the mouth of the lion's den, he is is able to, to rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He is able. And that same God, Hebrews 13, 8, says, the same God that we serve yesterday, today, and forever. The same mighty God that he did uh, uh in 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 rescuing the children of israel and and using moses and and in killing uh uh the Goliath with uh Goliath with David that's the same God that we serve that's the same God that we serve, you know, and so when we look at the patriarchs in the Bible, we can get inspired. It's like, oh my goodness, wow, look what they did, no no, 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 it's what he did through them because he is. Able, able. So one, he is God. Two, he is able. And three, he is faithful. He is so faithful. He is so faithful. You know, even whenever we don't realize that we're in a battle, even whenever we can't see that we're in a battle, why do I feel this way? Why am I? Why am I so heavy? Why? Why are things just not turning the way that I want to? God, says, I got that. We might not see it, but He's right there with us. He's faithful. I Love in Jeremiah says, "I'm watching over my word to perform it. I'm watching over it." Revelations one eight, the very nature of who He is is faithful. I this is Revelations one eight. It says, "Hello, I, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end." Says the Lord God, "I am the one who is, the one who was, and the one who still is to come. Is still is to come, the Almighty One. He always was. He always is." And He always will be faithful. Faithful. When you and I can receive that truth that He is faithful, that, will, that can help us to give us strength to endure. Because sometimes we might be like, Lord, I don't know how much more I can handle this. I don't know. But it's like, God, I, I know that You're going to be there with me. I know that You can never leave me or forsake me. Because Your Word says in Hebrews 10.23, it says, let us hold fast the confessions of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. If he promised peace, then he's faithful to bring it. If he promised restoration, then he's faithful to bring it. If he promised protection, then he's faithful to bring it. If he's promised to comfort us, then he's faithful to bring it. He is faithful. Because Second uh, Timothy two thirteen. Even, or excuse me, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful. For he cannot deny himself. Man. There is no other person, no one compared to God Almighty. We can trust Him and depend upon Him with the very last breath that we have. Okay? So let's go right now and look at Second Chronicles uh, 2, 1 through 27. And and again, as we've been talking about um, what kind of battle we face with the soul and with the spirit and and why, why, um, why is the battle His, I want us to look at uh, what are three positions uh, what are how we can position ourselves in three ways to receive victory but I want us to look at the the dialogue and um, the situation that happened with King Jehoshaphat and um, and, and his kingdom in Judah. And so uh, I'm just going to set up a little part, and then we're just going to read it to just try to give us the best, the best full picture of it, okay? But um, basically, uh, what happened is you had um, enemies uh, of the kingdom, uh, the, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and the Meunites, one of the one of those, and uh, some of those knights, okay? And so uh, they had, uh, they were in preparation to just annihilate. Um, the king of judah uh, the the Kingdom of judah and um and so messengers had sent word to Jehoshaphat uh that the army was advancing this massive army and um uh, and just because um and it was it was multiple army it was multiple people groups it's like even though the like the Moabites and the Ammonites normally they might not get together but because they hated um uh, the king of Judah, and they, they hated the, the Judean people. Uh, they decided they wanted to get together just to destroy them. And so one, you know, it's one thing if you have one person that is coming against you, but when you have whole nation groups that are coming against you, it can be a little heavy. You know, there can be a little conflict there. And so, um, and so as the messengers came, uh, this is, uh, the king's response. Uh, Jehoshaphat was alarmed by the news and sought the Lord for guidance. And, um, but what happened is, is not, here, here's a king. He heard about the news, but what was his response? His response wasn't, hey, let, let's rally a mighty, mighty army. Hey, bring all my wise men together. He is a king, royalty. And what is his response? We've got to go to the Lord. And not only did he, he, he himself, but he gathered all the, he gathered all the people. And the scripture uh, begins to say, that they gathered uh, the the women and the children and everybody came together and he called for a fast because he knew the size of the conflict, the size of the army, and he knew that it wasn't his skill, it wasn't his authority, his power, it wasn't his title that was going to overcome that battle. It was only going to come from a supernatural God and a supernatural victory. And so the Bible says that as they came together, now this is where I want to read in verses six that um that uh aware of where of his response. Uh, King Jehoshaphat stood before the people of, Ju- of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard in the temple of the temple of the Lord, and he prayed, O Lord, God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty, and no one can stand against you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out those who lived in the land when your people arrived? And did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people settled here and built this temple for you. They said, whenever we are faced with any calamities such as war and disease or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. And we can cry out to you. and You can save us and you will hear us and rescue us now that was a man that was surrendered that was a man that he recognized his need for god and then as we drop down this is this is the dialogue um but with with god and or with uh, the plea or not the plea the decoration that king jehoshaphat is having with god he says oh our god won't you stop them We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to take us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Now, as all the people are gathered around, this is their prayer. This is their petition. This is their cry. They're meaning business. Okay? And the word of the Lord says in in verses, uh, again, 2 Chronicles 2, when we're reading verses 14, it says, The Spirit of the Lord came, and he gave a word to a man. Named Giselle. And this is what the Lord was saying to all the people. He says, Listen, King Jehoshaphat. Listen to all the people. Listen, all the people of of, uh, Judah in Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. Here we go. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. But the battle is not yours, but God's. But the battle is not yours, but God's. And then verse 17. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions and stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. Oh, people of Judah and Jerusalem, don't be afraid or discouraged. Go out there tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Now, two things, and then we'll bring some application here. The king Jehoshaphat bowed down, bowed his face to the ground, And began to worship the Lord. A king, without hesitation, bowed his face to the ground and began to worship the Lord. And the next morning, when they got out, the king Jehoshaphat stopped and he said, Listen to all the people of Judea and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in in his prophets, and believe, and you will, Succeed, and the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army and singing and this is what they were singing. Give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever and so, as they're going to the battle, as they're going to the to the to the place, God just in his um mighty sovereign power, he turned the enemies upon themselves, and they just annihilated each other, so that by the time Jehoshaphat and the army got there. All of these, this massive army was, every one of them was dead. And only what King Jehoshaphat and the people of Judah could get was they just gathered all of their, their plunder. They just gathered all of their items. You know, God had, not only had God, uh, destroyed the enemy, but he had blessed them in the process. And then this is as they're walking back from the army, as they're walking back, not from the army, but from, uh, the annihilation of the enemy. Listen to what they're singing. Then they returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, full of joy that the Lord has given them, victory over their enemies. They were just singing, faithful love endures forever. And they were praising God, praising God. So what are some lessons? What are some practical things that we can learn from King Jehoshaphat and his approach to God? Three ways to position yourself for victory. One, focus on I am accepted. Focus on I am accepted. Why is that? Because we know in King Jehoshaphat's approach, when he approached God in a different version in New American Standard, it says Jehoshaphat was afraid and turned his attention to seek the Lord. But also as he began to talk to God, he began to talk to God, Oh Lord God, our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. He did not approach God with his title, he did not approach God with 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 the um with the authority of the king. What he did because he had been taught the ways and the heart of God and had knew from his ancestors who God was. His approach was that he was accepted not as a king but he was accepted as a son. And so what it did was whenever he went into God, he did not go into God feeling the pressure of this is my kingdom. I've got to bring resolve here. But he went in with, I am accepted as his son. And so I give that heaviness to him. Do you see that picture? And many times whenever we go to God, we can go to God. Okay. I'm coming to God as a father. I'm coming to God as a mother. I'm coming to God as a boss. I'm coming to God as, as the employer because we can feel the weight and the pressure of those responsibilities. But if we first position ourselves to come to God, I am accepted. So I come to him as his son and as his daughter. And it can remove expectations. He was like, well, God didn't hear me today. I don't know what, I don't know what he wants me to do. They said, you can't fail God. Okay. And so if we focus on, focus on, I am accepted. I am his son. I am his daughter. But also if you know that you're going to be accepted, it's going to affect your approach and how you go to him. If I know that I'm accepted, I'm going to go with an excitement. I'm going to go with a boldness. I'm not going to go with, okay, here's my three-point agenda. But I'm going to go with, Lord, I know you're my Father. And I know you love me and you value me. So here I am. Here I am. Hebrews 4, 16, it says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it. He knows what our responsibilities are. He knows what our roles are. But he wants us to come to him Focus on I'm accepted. It's not what I do, it's not how I do it, but it's I'm his and he is mine. And it'll make your 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 time with him very sweet and very precious. Okay? All right. You know, Second Corinthians ten five it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that adopted itself against God. Against the knowledge of God and bringing it to captivity and every thought to the obedience of Christ, the reason why is because the enemy would want us to place in our minds, you do not have access to God. Who do you think you are? You think you can hear from God? Do you know what you did yesterday? Do you know what you did last week? Man you are bad. But what does the word says? Let us come boldly to the throne of a gracious God. The moment that you and I fall into the trap of lie that God does not accept us and love us as we are, we'll always run away from them because we'll never think we're good enough. And He's saying, "Come to me as you are. I love you, and I value you as you are." So, three ways to position yourself for victory is one: focus on I am accepted. Number two is choose an attitude of humility. Choose an attitude. Of humility, there's there's something that I want I want us to kind of grab a hold of here. Obviously, in um, verse eighteen, it says King Jehoshaphat bowed his face down to worship him. Bowed his face down. But there's very there's something in in verse ten and eleven that I don't want us to miss, and that is. Uh, King Jehoshaphat is telling God, he says, "Now, now, see that the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. Do you see that they're see what they're doing? And you are, and you would not let our ancestors invade those nations when, is, when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us, for they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us." Now, in Exodus 13, 17 through 18, it says, When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them on the road that runs through the Philistine territory. Even though that was the shortest way from Egypt to the Promised Land, God said, If the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them along a route through the wilderness towards the Red Sea, and the Israelites left Egypt like a marching army. Let's get some truth from this. Jehoshaphat is saying, God, if you would have just let them go a different direction, we wouldn't be dealing with this now. If You know, uh, that we could have killed them so that we wouldn't have been dealing with this at this moment. But think about it. Many times that we can bring our mindset of how we think God needs to resolve the situation so that whenever we go to God, pray, God... This is how I think you should resolve it. But think about it. If they would, if the children of Israel would have not had gone that route, then they would not have set themselves up for God's supernatural power to do something big and mighty like parting the Red Sea, like destroying the Egyptian army. And many times, even though it's logical, even though it seems practical, God is a supernatural God. And he said, listen, if you will humble yourself if you will humble and trust me, I'm going to do something that's bigger than you could have ever imagined. It might seem logical, it might seem practical, but come on, we can trust God. He's a big God. What we have to do is when we bow our face before him, remove our agenda, remove um, uh, uh, our pride and our, and our, and our selfishness. Because another thing is that I'm sure that the children of Israel in that moment when they, when they did go the route that God had, um, had instructed them to do, they didn't know what God was about to do with the Red Sea. And then many years, many, I don't know how, I don't know what the distance of the years were between Moses and Jehoshaphat, but it's the same army. And so here you have God, God showing His mighty power again by destroying by destroying the Mo- the, the Moabites and, and all that. And God is saying, listen, if you will trust me, if you will put your pride and your selfishness aside and humble yourself, when we act in humility, it activates God's power and plan operating in our lives. Just walk in humility. I know sometimes it might not make any sense if God gives us an instruction, but he's never going to tell us or instruct us to do anything that goes opposite of his word. But he is—he can give you an instruction that's bigger than your mind can comprehend because he's a supernatural God. And anytime if we just humble ourselves and say, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I, okay. Humility is recognizing our need for God's lordship in our life. That's humility. Okay. He is a holy and a supernatural God, and he desires his sons and daughters to walk in. Humility. So one, focus on I am accepted. Two, choose an attitude of humility. And three, um, and three live by faith. Three, live by faith. You know, see, so Dixie, these sound really, really simple. Yeah, but you know something? <clears throat> if we have the word of God and we have the power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Okay? So live by faith. In verses 15, it says, Um, uh, he's the, the word of the Lord says, Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged by his mighty by, by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours. And then Jehoshaphat, he stopped him and he says, Listen, believe. Believe in the Lord your God. Believe that he is able to say, believe in the prophets. Basically, he was saying whenever he's talking about believe in his prophets and you will succeed, he's talking about believe in the word, believe in the word, because God used prophets to speak the word of God. So he's saying, believe in the word, believe it, that if it tells you what it tells you to do, it will do. You cannot fail if you believe in the word. Okay. So live by faith and we, and we receive faith whenever we're hearing the word and we're allowing it to just uh, be applied to our lives. Do it and obey it. Okay. I love this. And uh, there's a couple, there's three things I want us to look at with faith. And again, the faith can be very, very broad, but one thing that faith will do is faith will give you strength to endure. Faith will give you strength to endure. Faith will give you a new song to sing when facing the battle. Because look at their song. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. They hadn't seen what he was doing, but they they had faith and that faith believing that God says the battle is the battle is not yours it mine that gave them strength that gave them endurance that gave them energy to say okay all right he is faithful his love cannot fail me his love can endure us. that gave them the energy to take the next step to take the next step okay faith will give you strength to endure and faith will give you a new song to sing in the battle and faith will give you a greater overcoming story to share don't you know, whenever they got back, they were like, you would not believe what God did for us. You would not believe the plunder that we were able to see and what we saw. Man, Hebrews thirteen five through 6, it says, I will never fail you or forsake you. That's why we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. Faith. Faith. So what are three ways to position yourself for victory? Focus on I am accepted. Choose an attitude of humility. And three, live by faith. Now in closing, I want to share with you um a story and and I and I called them and asked if I could share that, and they were very gracious and said, Of course. But how many know um and I wrote this down in case I started crying, but how many know Brother Aaron and Miss Louise? Everybody knows Brother Aaron and Miss Louise. Well, Miss Louise had come to the office um, probably the beginning of February, and I hadn't seen her in a while. And so, whenever I, um, I asked her, I said, "Hey, Miss Louise, what um, what can we do for Mr. Ann? I just I just want to encourage him, just let him know I'm thinking about him." And without hesitation, uh, and with uh, great passion, she she gave me an answer. You know what? What can I what can I give him? You know what? What can I do to just say, "Hey, I'm thinking about you"? And she said, "Eggs." She'd give him eggs. And I asked her to repeat herself because I wasn't quite sure if I heard her correctly. I said, what do you mean give him eggs? And she, at this time, he was in the rehab and she said, uh, he, he just, his body is just, he's just craving eggs. And she said, um, she was there with therapy one day and, and she said, you know, honey, what, what, what can I do to help you? And he said, man, an omelet just sounds wonderful. An omelet. And you should see her body language as she began to describe. She said, Dixie, I left right then. And I went home and I made him an omelet. And she began to describe with tremendous joy all that she put in that omelet. I put some onions, I put some spinach, and I'm just stirring it up. Now, how don't you know that they've been married well over 50 years? And how many times has she made him an omelet? But this time is different. This time is different. Why is this time different? Because she's living out her faith in the back. And she's enduring. And because of that, God has given her a new song to sing of his goodness. She was so excited to make him an omelet, she was so excited. And more delighted to give it to him and watch him eat it. She has seen that countless upon countless of times. But this time was different because she's living out her faith. And because God in his faithfulness, God in his ability to strengthen us, to walk with us in the battle, he will give you a new song to sing. He will give you a new song. His love endures forever. He will give you a new song. He is faithful to the end. And if you just stay the course, stay the course, something that might seem as small as an omelet, boy, don't you know that has a big impact of a story. God wants to make your story bigger. Why? Because He wants to be bigger in every situation That you're going through. He is God. He is able. He is faithful. And you and I, we just need to accept that he accepts us. Choose to acknowledge our need for him by walking in humility.
1: And then live out the word. Live
0: out the word. Have faith. Regardless of you, don't let your circumstances, don't let your situation dictate and try to cover up who God is. He wants to put a new song in your spirit, and He wants to make your story bigger to praise Him, because He's a good God. Would you stand
1: to your feet? Thank you, Lord. Thank you.
0: I don't know if you're going through a battle. I don't know the circumstances of your life, but God does. And oh, how he loves you. And oh, how he is able. So just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, let's just allow God to come and meet us where we are. Let's just allow God to examine our hearts. Let's just allow God to examine our thoughts. What's going on in our world? How are we thinking? How are we responding? Is the battle that we're in is weariness? Because we've been trying to do it ourselves. Is the battle that we're in, is it doubt? Because we just don't see of any way out. We just, doubt is a battle. It is a heaviness. And God wants to encourage us. He wants to remind when the battle is His. Things that are out of our power, things that are out of our control. They're within His grasp. They're within His power. Because He is God. So if you're here today and you say, Dixie, I don't know of this God that you're talking about. But I do recognize I feel all alone. I do recognize that I feel like i gotta, I got to walk through this world by myself. I don't know of Jesus. But I'd like to. If that's you, you say, I don't know Him. But I'd like to. Would you just raise your hand? that's the first place where we want to begin to where the enemy has no right to bring fear to bring inferiority and rejection in your life All right. if you're here today it says I've got some battles going on I got some battles in my mind I got some battles in my in my soul I got some battles going on in my family come on I got some battles going on in my relationship I got some battles going on and we need to say God here I am God I am I know that I am accepted by you but come on let's step into that you and I have access let's step in that you and I have access into his presence let's step in that you and I have access into his provisions let's step in that you and I have access into his grace come on step in you have access he says come to me all who are are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest no pit so big and so deep that God cannot meet you in the middle of there is no relationship that is so broken that God cannot speak and bring life to because he is a God of restoration so if you fit with any of those categories come on I just want you to raise your hands and let's do like Jehoshaphat did let's just begin to praise God just pray with you. God I need you God I need you and I cannot do this on my own. I cannot figure all the the complexities out of this of this conflicting battle. Jesus, I surrender. Come on, right where you are, just Jesus, I surrender. Jesus, I just let go. This is it. Come on, we're gonna sing this song of worship, I and I want you to sing this as a song of. Because it's a very key part in this song. It says, "Even though I'm surrounded, I'm surrounded by you, Lord." What are we surrounded? We are surrounded by the authority and the power in the Word of God that He will never leave us or forsake us. We are surrounded by the truth of the Word of God that He is our Comforter, our Counselor, our Rescuer, our Savior. As we sing this song, I just encourage you: to allow the truth of the song to just encourage you. May we allow you to fight our battles and absorb and receive your truth and your peace operating in our life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Guys, we love you and we care for you. If you need any prayer of any kind, you come up here and we love to walk with you. You are dismissed. God bless you.